So uh, working capital really caught us off guard. Uh, we were prepared for it because we had the money in the bank and we didn't come very much money out of pocket on the deal. But um, we could see how people could get caught with their pants down very quickly if they if they weren't ready for that. So working capital was the biggest one. I'm Neil. And I'm Brittany. We are a family on a journey towards financial and location independence. Each week, we interview successful real estate entrepreneurs about their chosen investment strategy and rate it based on how much money it took to get started, how long it took to educate themselves, how passive it is, and whether or not they could do it from anywhere in the world. Welcome to the Road to Family Freedom. Before we begin this week's show, I'd like to make you an offer, a free 30-minute call with me. We've been doing weekly chats with other real estate investors for months now, and the response has been great, but we're going to change things up a bit and focus. We're buying self-storage facilities. We have a great partner in North Carolina with a great track record of success, a background in construction, and we're partnering up to help him expand his portfolio. If you have an interest in learning more about investing in self-storage, on the active side, on the passive side, whatever your level of interest, we want to talk to you. There's no pitch here. We're not selling a coaching program. This is just a chance for us to network with other investors interested in self-storage. Also, if you're a current self-storage owner, we'd love to chat with you and perhaps have you as a guest on our show. If all that sounds like something you'd be interested in, go to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash self-storage call and schedule a call there. I look forward to speaking with you. All right, enough out of us. Let's hit the road to family freedom. Greetings, friends and families. I'm Neil. And I'm Brittany. You're listening to the Road to Family Freedom podcast. Our guest this week is a project manager for a commercial general contractor. He's managed nearly $120 million worth of commercial projects. He also started investing in important communities as a general partner with his childhood friend recently. Alan Hill, welcome to the Road to Family Freedom. Awesome. Thank you all for having me. I'm glad to be here. Uh, it's good to see you again. Uh, so when you, you first started buying assets, uh, whether it be real estate or Pokemon cards, uh, what, what what were the first assets that you ever personally started buying? Oh, yeah, great question. So I'm going to have to take you back a few years on that one. <laughs> so started a little bit different. Um, I didn't even know I was started. But uh, back in middle school age, high school age, always had a kind of desire to want to work, um, wanted to earn money. So actually, about the age of 12, I was working on the farm. And... Uh, my mom would drop me off every day, get picked up, but uh, slowly but surely that kind of got into cutting grass for myself. And um, I, was, I was doing things that I look back on now that I had no idea and I'll, and I'll jump into that. So I actually started cutting grass for a, a fellow that my, my father knew, he, uh, he worked with my father. He gave me his push mower uh, if I would cut his grass. Um, so I was 12, 13 years old, somewhere in there and, uh, gave me a push mower. I cut his grass with that push mower. I actually picked up one more yard, which was for my aunt. So I was, I was, uh, I was mowing two yards with a push mower. Well, uh, that very next summer, that same guy, uh, had a riding mower. And you know, my first thought being at that age was you made me cut grass with a push mower all summer and you had a riding mower. What in the world? You know? So, but, uh, but no, he gave me his riding lawnmower if I'd cut his grass that, that season. So now I had a push mower and a riding lawnmower and, uh, I still had my aunt's yard and now I had a riding lawnmower. So I started picking up more yards 
So I was working on the farm uh, almost full time, pretty much full time. And I was cutting grass in the evenings. Uh, my parents would have to, you know, load up the truck and trailer for me and drive me to my destination and wait on me while I cut grass. But uh, I was picking up yards and got up to four or five yards and realized uh, it was it was more yards than I could handle with a craftsman riding lawnmower. So um, so my dad actually called me one day and he said, hey, there's a zero turn up here at the local uh, the local garden center. You should um, take a look at this. And I'm thinking, heck, yeah, dad's going to buy me a zero turn. No, he did, <laughs> he did something much better than buy me a zero turn. Um, we got into it. No cash out of pocket. Six months, same as cash. So 0% financing. Uh, riding John Deere zero turn mower. So, um, you know, at a young age, I was already using leverage and, uh, and I'll jump into some stuff that I'm almost ashamed of later on when I got out of college that, um, I was using assets and leverage at a young age. And then I kind of forgot about it for a long time. And, uh, and recently that's come back. But, um, so yeah, after, uh, Working on the farm, cutting grass for myself. I, I got a job with a general contractor. It's the general contractor I work for today. I worked with them all through college. I went to uh, East Carolina, got a construction management degree, minor in business. And from there, was a superintendent for a couple of years and, and became a project manager and um, somewhat fast-tracked on all of that, but uh, was a superintendent for a short stint, two years, and became a project manager at a young age of 24. So I was uh, fully, fully running the project from uh, somewhat buyout, subcontract negotiation, and, and the execution from the office side as, uh, as far as getting materials lined up, making sure subs are there, stuff like that, and, and then supporting the superintendent that's on site. And, and that's what I uh, do till today. I'm a, I'm a commercial project manager, like you said, and, um, and, and it's all good, man. So I want to go, I want to, I want to go back a little bit, uh, to your, you know, to your lawn mowing days and that, that first mower that you bought, uh, was 0% financing. Uh, I, I assume it was a cash flowing deal. I mean, you were making enough to cover, uh, cover the loan payments and you, did you pay it off in six months? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, so during all that time I had, uh, like I said, I was working a fair amount uh, for my age, um, probably 40, 50 to 60 hours on the farm and then cutting grass in the evenings. So, I mean, it was all I was doing was really working uh, when I was younger. But um, my, my folks helped me buy my truck. So I bought my truck, um, half of it. And uh, the next summer I paid them off. Uh, so I bought my truck out and then the lawnmower. Yeah, I was I was making great money. Uh, for my age. So, so yeah, I, I completely paid off that zero turn lawnmower in the six months. So I never did pay interest on it at all. Um, so did you I, continue. I, yeah. Sorry. Did you continue to mow lawns until like college? Yeah, uh, up, up until my uh, sophomore year of college, uh, the, the university I went to was about an hour and a half from my hometown. So um, I was, I was running back, cutting grass, uh, trying to get it all done on weekends and late evenings. But uh, yeah, up until uh, my sophomore year of college, I, I cut those yards and, and then I had to let everybody know. I was like, hey, I'm moving on from the grass business. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. But uh, it's such an interesting, you know, we as parents, we, we often talk about how to try and encourage our son to kind of think that way and think about, you know, um, 
you know, don't just think about, you know, what can I buy, but how can I make money and what problem can I solve for people? And um, we have a park near our house right now that uh, has it. Well, when it's not shut down, uh, it has a pretty, uh, pretty vibrant volleyball court and a, uh, a basketball court. And during the summer, you know, there's a lot of people out there playing and we, I've tried to, you know, he's probably a little bit, still a little bit too young. Yeah, he's five and a half. Yeah, he's five and a half. <laughs> yeah, it might be and a little bit too young, to, but start him off. Right. I know. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you know, thought about, you know, just having him go and giving him 20 bucks and having him to go and buy some Gatorade and some ice and things like that and put it in a, a rolling, uh, uh, a rolling ice chest and have him just roll up and, you know, sell those and just get him used to the idea that I can buy something and then sell it for more. And now I've got the money that's left over. So, yeah, that's right. Um, it's a great idea. It's a great, yeah. 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 Maybe let's give it another year or so. Yeah, yeah, it's probably <laughs> right now he's just like the tooth fairy gave me $2. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. I want to put it all in my spend. Yeah. He'll yeah. be selling stuff to everybody in his classes at school. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So awesome. Well, so uh, like you said, you've been involved in the commercial real estate and the on the contracting side. Um, do you recall a specific kind of aha moment that, you know, where you wanted to go more towards the owner side? So just about a year ago, almost almost to the date, um, my, my childhood best friend, which is my business partner, Jimmy, he pitched a deal to me and um, I told him I told him he was crazy. Um, I just said, that's crazy. You're going to, you could lose everything. Why would you want to do that? You've worked so hard for your money. Don't do that. So that was a year ago. Um, we closed on that property together in June. So a few <laughs> months later, and, uh, it, it had a very interesting, um, course there, right? So he, uh, he approached me to come in on it as an equity partner, um, and, uh, and again, I was totally against it. Uh, I, I didn't understand really investing. I kind of knew about it. Um, didn't really understand fully how real estate worked at the time. So we're talking about mid-March of 2019 right now. And um, I was totally out. Nope, don't want any part of it. Well, uh, he kind of hit me again, hit me again, hit me again. And he wasn't being forceful, but he was definitely, come, come do this. Come do this with me. So uh, I, I kind of asked, you know, okay, what does it look like? What, what is this going to be? And uh, this was an 18-unit apartment in our hometown. I uh, had an asking price of $825. Uh, so, so we needed right about $160,000 as a down payment. So he said, we're 50-50 we're partners. You bring, you bring about 80 to the table. I bring about 80 to the table. And let's, let's buy an apartment. Uh, so I had 80 grand. I, I said, you know what? Okay. And he, he kind of got very blunt with me. He was like, what are you going to lose? I was like, well, that 80 grand that I'm about to put up, you know, we could, I don't know, maybe lose my house. I hope they don't take my wife. I hope they definitely don't take my, my dog. I would hate that. But I mean, I have a lot to lose. <laughs> I've, I've worked hard for all my stuff. Like I have a lot to lose. Um, and he was like, yeah, but really, what, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, he was like, you move back in with your parents, you do this, you do that. I was like, that, that, that's not an option. I, I got stuff to lose. So it did take me a little bit to get into it. But um, that deal actually evolved. And um, we had talked to a guy who has been talking about real estate for years to us, never to get us to go in on it with him. He just always thought it was interesting to talk about. 
Uh, great guy. Uh, look, look up to him. Um, he, uh, so, so we pitched a deal to, well, I didn't even pitch the deal. Let me, let me rephrase that. This happened. And again, I didn't even know it was happening. I just started talking about the deal to this guy. Mm -hmm. And um, I said, Hey, Jimmy and I are about to jump into an 18 unit apartment complex. Like we're really excited. We're going to, it's only costing us this much. We, we think we're going to do this much. And he said, run those numbers uh, by me one more time. And I was like, okay, well, it, you know, it's this much. It's, it's 825,000, blah, blah, blah. He's like, uh, he said, let me go in on it with you. And I was thinking, well, one, it's not my deal. It was Jimmy's deal. Uh, but, but what would that look like? Um, he said, I'm going to bring cash to the table. He said, we'll be third partners, third, 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 but I'm going to bring my cash to the table. So I was like, oh, okay. Hung up immediately and called Jimmy. I said, hey, guess what just happened? Uh, he wants to be a third partner. He's going to bring cash to the deal. So that was the aha moment of what? We can get into this property, no money out of pocket. We'll go leverage it, guarantee the loan and buy, uh, and buy this apartment. And that was kind of the aha that, that kind of went back to the rich dad, poor dad in the Hawaiian condo. Well, if, if it's a cash flowing asset and it makes money, how many can you buy an unlimited amount? Because we're no money out of pocket and we can go. So that deal did have a few curveballs, um, but, but overall we did close. So the maintenance man on site actually uh, lived at the property. He caught wind that it was going to sell. His apartment was trash, completely trash. So he moved out and it was the worst apartment in all 18 of them. So the, uh, the seller, uh, before we were under contract, but we had an accepted offer, actually went up on us. So we ended up buying the property for 830,000, not 825. But um, we closed at 830,000. We all became equal partners, uh, a third, a third, a third. And our equity partner was, uh, we, we did a joint venture. And he brought a third of the cash to the table and we, uh, we, we closed the deal. Um, my partner and I, we, uh, we've set up LLC, Crystal Coast Capital Holdings. We've uh, got an agreement that it's going to be us to the end, me and him, right? So uh, <laughs> it's Crystal Coast Capital Holdings is 67%. Our uh, investor, but actually our partner is 33% and, uh, and life went on. So in that first deal, because he brought cash to the table, but we took a loan out for the bank. We guaranteed the loan. He's not on the loan. Um, the only money we came out of pocket was actually after closing day. And that was to uh, pay the survey and the appraisal, which uh, we wouldn't have needed if we would have bought cash. And that's what we thought was fair. So we ended up covering those soft costs. And then the other, the other soft costs, such as um, closing fees, attorney's fees, stuff like that. We, uh, we all split uh, the third, third, third. But uh, yeah, that, that first deal was actually somewhat boring compared to my next one um, <laughs> because it was very straightforward. A uh, broker brought, uh, brought the deal to us. Uh, we made an offer. Um, the offer got slightly adjusted. We, we had little to no um, money out of pocket. It, we didn't really have to... To, to fight or, or advertise, which you can't, I guess you can't advertise, right? But we didn't really have to work hard for the money. The money just showed up, you know, and let me be a partner. Uh, so, so yeah, that was our, that was the first deal. And, and that, that is, um, that was between March and June of 2019. So um, this is less than a year ago that we're talking about. Okay. 
So we got a lot, we got a lot to unpack there. And I want to kind of uh, cover some cover some things. So uh, just to clarify, you guys ended up splitting the down payment, uh, uh, a third, a third, a third. So you all came to the table with your own cash. Is that correct? Oh, no, 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 no. Our partner brought a third of the cash of the whole deal. Uh, he, he brought a third of $830,000 to the table for 33% oh, gotcha. equity in the deal. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And so you, so you and your partner, Jimmy came to the table with no cash. It's just your deal and it's your, your experience. Correct. And then we gotcha. got a loan from a local bank. We guaranteed the loan. And then the only money out of pocket was we paid the survey and the appraisal cost. Gotcha. What do you think that was? It was right about $2,400 a piece. Uh, so that put us putting $2,400 in the deal each after the closing date. Gotta love, gotta love real estate. Love it. <laughs> uh, and then he didn't, uh, you know, he was, he's a pretty substantial part of the deal as far as the down payment. The bank didn't require him to be on the loan? Mm -mm, no. So we only leveraged it 70-30 instead of the 80-20 that we were originally going for. Mm -hmm. But um, we, we kind of told the bank, uh, we have... We have an investor. He's going to be a partner. He, he loves cash deals. His bread and butter is foreclosures. So he'll buy foreclosures cash. And uh, he, he, he doesn't like debt. That's his thing. He doesn't like debt. So we, we have a property agreement, uh, an operating agreement that says we split it from NOI. So we, uh, we go to NOI and then we split it the 6733. Um, so he's continuously getting his check. Our money goes toward our debt liability. And then anything from there will be our true cash flow. But uh, we just gotcha. kind of told the bank that this this is kind of what we got. He doesn't want to be on the loan. So, I mean, if you want to give us some money, he's not going to be on it. Jimmy and I are going to guarantee the loan. Let's buy this thing. Gotcha. That's kind of how it gotcha. went. <laughs> gotcha. Is, and it's a recourse loan? It is a recourse loan. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, and so any lessons, any other lessons learned from that, that first deal? I mean, it was a fairly, you know, it was a fairly, you call it kind of a, a you call it a boring deal. Uh, but turned out boring deals can be good too. A little base hit. Yeah, that's right. It, it was a boring deal. And yeah, lessons learned left and right. Um, I would say our biggest lesson we learned was working capital. Um, going into the deal, we only had $13,000 worth of working capital after we closed. We ran through that so fast it wasn't funny. Um, so out of the 18 units, we've remodeled six of them so far. And luckily, those apartments had real hardwood floors under carpet. Um, so we were ripping up carpet. We're refinishing hardwood floors. We're doing new paint and uh, basically just new countertops. And then um, yeah, new sink, new hardware, new lights, stuff like that. A very minor uh, remodel. We're, we're putting somewhere between five and seven grand a unit into those, into those units. So, um, so yeah, working capital. Biggest lesson learned right off the bat. Um, so... The, the, the way we had it going, right, after splitting it from NOI, we were, we were funneling money to our investor, his 33% of the NOI. Our 67 was, was going into our account, paying our debt liability. So we're almost in a somewhat of a break-even scenario. It's a really tight deal. Um, we, we learned a lot. We, we probably overpaid for it, uh, but we've learned a lot, so it's well worth it. But um, So anyways, the, the money that we were getting from the property – is all circulating back in it for our investor. So he's getting a decent return, but most of his money is going back into those remodels because he's paying for a third of that $7,000 times 
times those six units. And then, uh, and then my partner and I, Jimmy, we did have to come out of pocket to fund those remodels. So uh, working capital really caught us off guard. Uh, we were prepared for it because we had the money in the bank and we didn't come very much money out of pocket on the deal. But um, we could see how people could get caught with their pants down very quickly if they if they weren't ready for that. So working capital was the biggest one. And then just overall, just learning how to, to underwrite better. Um, we underwrote it very tight. Uh, we, we were trying to be conservative, but we wanted to make it happen so bad that, um, that, that we kind of skewed the numbers to make it look good to convince ourselves to buy it. Um, it, it is a good property now. It is tight, but um, luckily we were able to take those six units from an average rent of about $600 a month and it, we're getting $750 a month now. So we got a really decent bump in rents. Um, so that is a much better property already. And we're only eight months down the road from uh, when we closed on it. So, um, but, but yeah, uh, working capital and, and, and just underwrite it correctly. It, cause, cause there's, there's not a point in faking it cause it's, it is what it is. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a, it's a common problem that, you know, especially on that first deal when someone's involved in, in stuff like that, the underwriting, uh, becomes, you know, you start to get squishy with the underwriting cause you want it to happen so bad. Oh yeah. Uh, and it's a really hard thing to avoid. Uh, and the second thing I love, I, I love that you went straight into buying a multifamily and just skip the whole single family home thing. Uh, but it, you know, you, it wasn't a home run deal. Uh, but you, you learn, you're learning way more than you would have ever learned from, uh, two or three years of, uh, of trying to, you know, read books about multifamily investing or listening to podcasts and things like that. And so you're, you're, it's free tuition. I mean, it's not quite free tuition, but it's cheaper tuition than, than it would have cost you to, to go to a multifamily university and things like that. Oh, absolutely. I, I can't even, you know, I'm almost in that where I feel like I forgot more than I've already learned just because I've learned so much. Um, it, there, we, there was a lot of lessons learned. I mean, there was a lot of long days and long nights. Uh, we were definitely trying to pull our weight as, um, you know, the, the general partner, e even though, uh, our investors somewhat wants to be a silent investor, but he's not really all that silent. Like he'll definitely strap on the work belt with us and show up. Um, but uh, on that first deal, we're doing a lot of those remodeling ourselves. Uh, we're, we're ripping the carpets out. We're, we're sanding the floors. We're standing the floors. We're literally building countertops. Um, you, you know, in, in my partner's father's garage, uh, we're, we're going up the road and, and literally manufacturing the whole countertop out of MDF board and, and setting countertops. Um, so we're, we're, we're changing out the receptacles, the light fixtures. Um, so basically about the only thing we were subbing out was paint. Um, so we were putting a lot of sweat equity in it just because we, it was, it was tight and it could have worked, but we could just, for the time being, it made more sense to just do it ourselves at that time. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, do you want to tell us about that second deal? That sounds like it was a little bit more interesting. Yeah. So, so, you know, jumping into the deep end, uh, again, I had no interest in March of 2019. We closed on a deal, uh, in June of 2019, we were under contract. Let's call it under contract phase one. How about that? We were under <laughs> contract phase one with our second deal exactly a month after we closed on our first deal. So um, it was July 22nd, 
we were we were under contract on a 48 unit complex in the same market. Same, it's uh, it was in our hometown. It's three miles from our, from our other property. Um, so now I'm hooked. You know, I I'm I'm a real estate investor. I'm the real deal. I'm hooked, right? So I mean, I really was, and I and I still am. So um, I'm searching GIS every night. I'm I'm, I'm trying to find these properties, and uh, I'm just making a mailing list, and I'm writing hand letters. To, to owners of properties. And uh, literally right now, each letter by hand, one at a time and sending them out. Well, I've automated that a little bit. I've, uh, I, I use a Sharpie now on a postcard and then I photocopy it and it looks like the original Sharpie. So it still looks handwritten. Um, so automate that a little bit, but yeah, I'm sending out letters, right? And uh, get a call from a guy and he said, hey, I got one of your letters. Um, you want to buy my apartment? I said, absolutely I do. So I went and looked at it. It's 48 units. It consists of um, actually 40 units and an eight unit parcel uh, right next to each other. The, the eight units are two quads, two stories. And then the, the 40 units are two 20 unit buildings. Um, so four buildings total. I went and started developing a relationship. And this is while we're trying to close on that first deal because we had it under contract the month later. So this is all daring. Um, so I view the property, I look at it, it's in pretty rough shape. Um, I, I could tell it was in pretty rough shape. It needed some work, but he showed me the best two units he had, said they all look the same, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't he? Um, so, um, so anyways, I, you know, I'm developing a relationship with this guy. He's, uh, he's a little on the older end, He's, he's in his seventies. He's, he got the property passed down from his father. Um, over the course of the next few months, I learned that he has given units to his son, which his son gave back and had no interest. Um, so I learned that he had, uh, he, he had kids that had no interest in the property. Um, so it, it was looking like that. That's our target owner. That's who we're looking for, right? We're looking we're, we're looking for the baby boomer who's ready to be out of it. Um, so anyways, I, uh, I, I, I pitch him um, an offer a little bit different, right? I try to get a little creative here. Uh, we all started this off and, and I said, how much do you want for it? Just tell me. And he said, $2 million, $2 million for 48 units. Uh, didn't seem that bad compared to remember, I have not even really seen how our 18 unit is even operating yet while I'm doing this. I'm going full win. Um, so anyways, <laughs> I, I look at it and it's, it's not quite worth $2 million. Um, so I make him an offer and ask him if he's willing to own finance. And uh, he, he said, what does that look like? And I said, well, let me draft something up. I'll send it over to you. So I sent him a, uh, a three offer letter and it was, it was bullet points, offer one, two, and three. Offer one was an owner finance, and he suggested a down payment of $500,000 and then owner financing a million. So we're already at 1.5 because of the owner finance. And, and I tell you what this looked like. So we owner finance 500,000, or we down payment of 500,000, we owner finance a million, for 20 years, that was all for one. We did it for 10 years, same thing, 500 down, owner finance a million for 10 years, and then I did a lump sum buyout of one, about 1.5, it was like one, five, two, three. So three offers, 20 year, a 10 year, 
in a lump sum. And uh, he sat on it for about a week and he called me back and he said, I, you know, I, I trust you. Um, during this time, I was showing him pictures of the remodels we were physically doing. So, you know, now we're in our 18 unit. I'm showing them like, hey, look, this, this is what we're doing. We're, we're, we're ripping out floors. We're doing new floors, new paint. You know, I promise you we can get rents up. His average rent was about $550 a month. Uh, we had started on the other property three miles away at 600. So I said, I promise you we can get rents up. This is what we're doing. And, and we did, in fact, have tenants going in. Um, so, you know, he, he, he felt comfortable. He liked it. But he, uh, he threw me a, 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 a small curveball, which was about to be the, the beginning of many curveballs on this project. Um, so he called me back and he said, I like it. And just to kind of put in some numbers here for you, the, the value at the end of 20 years was about 1.9. The value at 10 was about 1.7 and the long sum was about 1.5. So I kept talking about the value because he was getting that interest to kind of remind him, like, okay, you, you can have the choice between 1.9, 1.7, 1.5. And he came back to me and said, yep, I love it. I want the 1.9 in 10 years. And I said, well, uh, uh, the, um, uh, that, that's not what we talked about. <laughs> you know, I was like, we, remember we said 1.9 and 20, you know. So, uh, again, I, I was trying to think outside the box and trying to figure out how we can do this. Um, so, long story short, we end up getting under contract in July, and uh, it was owner finance, 500 down um, at, at 10 years. So, uh, the value was right around that 1.7. <clears throat> so, that's, that's how we moved forward with this officially under contract. Um, so we do our hard. So I want to just, sorry, I want to stop you for, for a second. So I understand the overall purchase price ended up being 1.7 with $500,000 down. And, and I know, I know you're, I know this is going to get more complicated, but, uh, $500,000 down. And then he owner financed 1.2 million. Yeah. So, um, we never even got that far, but yes, the, the intent was 500 down. And then we were going to give him, him monthly payments um, it was, I, I forget it was because it was so long ago, right? It was somewhere around $9,000, $10,000 a month payment, right? Something along those lines. Um, so we get into our heavy due diligence phase. We walk every single unit with him. Um, so it's me, my business partner, Jimmy and the owner. And we're walking every single unit. And you could tell that he has not seen some of these units in years. Um, he has no idea about these units. And uh, we, we have a pretty extensive checklist. I mean, it may have been 200 bullet point items. Just we're going through the living room, like light check, fan check, trim check, paint check. Like just every single thing in a room, we would check and make a note about it. Because uh, we were just very hands-on. We wanted to know about this. And then that's how we thought we had to do this. So about the first 10 units in, he's like, whew, y'all are checking this thing out pretty good. Uh, I'm going to just go hang out in the office. So then we just run through the rest of the apartments uh, by ourselves, just, just Jimmy and I. Sometimes there's tenants in there. But about 15, 20 units in, we were like, we got to speed this up. They're mostly in the same condition. Let's, let's go, let's get through this. So then we just kind of start going in units. We start taking pictures and we just make general notes. This one needs work. This one's okay. This one needs work. This one's okay. And we run through it. Right. Um, and, and there was quite a bit of work that needed to happen. Uh, there was some major rot on back of one of the 20 unit buildings. Um, I think there was a missing 
I don't know if any of the unit had a uh, like all their light fixture globes or not, exhaust fan covers, just silly stuff like that everywhere. Um, so we had written up a deferred maintenance line item and, and gave it to them and wanted to renegotiate the contract uh, in the tune of it was it was over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And uh, those were legitimate unit rates and the amount of units. There was a lot of there was a lot of work. There's you know potholes in the parking lot that needed to be fixed. All the back doors and windows on the on the twenty unit building need to be replaced. All the siding. We don't know what that looks like. So is that sheathing? Is that insulation? We don't know. We figured it all. So it was a pretty legitimate um, estimate. And he uh, he commented on it. He looked at it and. Uh, he used to own his own electrical business and, and he, you know, he had some comments, like some very small comments of, I think your electrical unit rates a little high to change a light fixture, um, which he owned his electrical business. So we're like, yeah, but if, if we had to hire an electrician, that is what they charge us. Him and I both knew that, um, actually I need to back up. I forgot a step. I forgot a step <laughs> and I just realized it. So in the meantime, the first curveball was, he was not interested in the owner finance anymore. Oh God. <laughs> yep. I totally forgot that stuff. That's why we started renegotiating the cost because he was just going to dump it on us at this point. So mm. he came back to us and said, no, um, I don't, I don't want any part of the owner finance. I don't think you're going to get those high rents. Uh, I don't think you're ever going to deal with these problem tenants that don't pay their rent. Um, I, I just, I just don't, don't trust. I want to be out of it. So that's when we started renegotiating the deferred maintenance so heavy. So he commented back and forth and, um, we, we got into it and we got to somewhat of a stalemate. Um, we were at about now lump sum about 1, 260,000, one, two, six. We'd started at a lump sum about one, five, two. Remember, he wanted two million at the beginning of this, um, and he just wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it. So he actually called us up on a Friday. We were literally hanging cabinets in our eighteen-unit complex, <laughs> and uh, it, it was it was the end of the day, probably four forty-five on a Friday. And he called us and he said, "Hey, I'm sorry. I know you spent a lot of time on this. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell this property to somebody else." We said, whoa, 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 hold on, what? <laughs> we're, we're under contract. All we're trying to do is renegotiate the, the heavy deferred maintenance, which was legitimate, and he knew it was. He said, yeah, I know, I got a better offer. I'm just going to go ahead and sell it. And we said, well, hold on, what, what did you get offer for? Who is this person? We're, hey, we're under contract. And uh, he said, uh, it's, it's not important who it is, um, but you, know, you won't come above 126 and uh, – uh, they offered me 1.3 and uh, I look at Jimmy and I'm like, we're buying this for 1.3. Uh, we're about to do it. So we say, hold on, uh, give us one second. Uh, we need to make a call. So we call our, we call our investor from the first deal. We kind of run it by him. He's in within 30 seconds um, <laughs> to, to get the deal. Uh, we, we are going to split debt liability on this one. But again, Jimmy and I are going to guarantee the loan. So he's not going to guarantee the loan and we're going to split the uh, debt liability. He was not bringing a third to the table, but he was getting 33% of the ownership. So it was a good deal for all of us. Um, so that was our first quick hurdle. Uh, we called the owner back. We're like, we're in 1.3. And he said, okay, well, um, I want a hundred thousand dollars on Monday, earnest money. 
And we're like, what? This guy's this guy's a piece of work. Oh yeah. And this is so Friday. It's like four fifty-five on a Friday. So we're like, okay, all right, hold on, time out. So we call a uh, a mortgage broker that we were working with, and we're like, hey, this is the deal. We have an owner. He he doesn't want to. He he wants to be done with the property. He's out of it. He said, I got to buy it for 1.3, but he wants $100,000 on Monday, non-refundable, go hard. Can you finance this deal? He said, absolutely, don't sweat it. Thank you for Famous taking my call later on Friday. Appreciate that. Need your money here soon. So we call the owner back and we're like, yes, we're in 1.3. Um, you'll have $100,000. It might not be Monday because we're going to use our closing attorney, set up the escrow account but we will get it to you in process beginning of the week. Money got put into the account on Wednesday of the following week. So he was calmed down for a little bit. So um, I, I kind of think things are on cruise control, right? We, we had just bought our 18 unit. We're using the same surveyor. Um, we were, we were, uh, we had the mortgage broker or um, yeah, the mortgage broker ready to go. He said it was going to be no problem. We had our investor, we had our private equity ready to go. Cruise control, week goes by, no terms from the bank. Two weeks go by, no terms from the bank. We're into our third week. This guy wants to close in two more weeks, four weeks total, he's done with it. He's ready to be done. Hey, we need our terms. Remember you said you could close on this deal in four weeks? Well, we have two weeks to do that. You haven't released an appraisal. We haven't released survey until we get terms. We have two weeks. Don't sweat it. It's going to happen. We're one week away. Again, it's a Friday. Everybody loves to work on Fridays, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting on a plane running down the runway. So I'm sitting on a plane. I get a call. Uh, hey, we need our terms. We need our terms. Um, yeah, sorry. We're not going to be able to finance this deal. Uh, <laughs> Y'all just don't have the experience that we need for this deal. Y'all only own 18 apartments and uh, y'all just can't handle 48 units right now. What? what? We called you three weeks ago. You, you said you were going to finance this deal. We got, we have a hundred thousand dollars. We already put in the deal. What? Hold on. Experience. What, this is all we do all day long is build stuff. What are you talking about experience? So um, we actually talk the mortgage broker. This is now after five o'clock on a Friday. He's taking my call. Appreciate that. He puts us in touch to the actual capital company in New York where the money's coming from. Um, Cause he was going to take some days off the following week. <laughs> Appreciate it. So we get up with that guy over the weekend and he's like, um, yeah, you're just, your experience just wasn't quite there for us. I was like, well, you know, Shame on us, but um, what experience are you talking about? Nobody's ever asked us about our experience. Uh, you know, between the two of us, we, we've managed over $200 million worth of commercial projects from, from every part from execution to buy out the turnover. What, what, what more experience could you, could you ask for? And uh, they're like, well, wait, what'd you say? And we're like, yeah, we're, we're in the commercial construction field. This is all we do every day, every day. And he was like, well, I didn't realize that. Nobody told me. I was like, well, well, let us send you a credibility packet real quick. So we hang up the phone. Jimmy makes a website. I'm making a credibility <laughs> packet. So we're putting this together on a Saturday. And we get it done in about an hour and a half, two hours. And we call the guy back and we're like, hey, check your email. Here's our credibility packet. Um, website's up and running if you need it. 
So, and we put this credibility packet together and it kind of had a bunch of stuff about criteria, who we are. We, uh, we definitely used our assets to our advantage as far as our property manager. So we kind of used their experience from our 18 units who was going to do this 48 about they've been in business for over a hundred years and um, they're, they're managing, I don't know, 800 units, something like that. Right. And then um, we use our investors, uh, all his single family homes, all his foreclosures, and we put in an asset summary. So we put our 18 unit in it and then we put all his single family homes in it. We put, we put our, our own homes, our owner homes. And so this is our (laughs) asset page. And then we put our executive experience page and uh, we put every single project that we have managed as a project manager. We didn't do the ones as the superintendents, but the, the ones that we have been project managers on, we put everyone and they, they vary from, from uh, restaurants and schools and storage units and uh, just retail, big box retail. And, and the just list went on. We put pictures in it and we said, here you go. I'm sorry. We should have sent this. And, and um, next thing you know, we're approved. Thank you. Terms come over. We have a week though. Well, then we get the terms back. Loan origination fee was more than double. We, they said it was going to be 1%. It came back at two and a half. Mm. Interest came back uh, two and a half points high. It was supposed to be 6%. It came back eight and a half. Oh. Um, our term was supposed to be, um, I, I could be wrong on this one, but I want to say they told us 30 years and we got 25. But then the kicker was we were supposed to be 80-20 LTV. They came back 60-40 on us. So we're like, what, what good does that do? Um, we can't make this happen. So now it's Monday, a week away from when we want to close. And um, our, we, what we were trying to do was close by November 1st. So this whole process, we were under contract in July. The due diligence and the negotiations and all that. So now we're, we are trying to close by November 1st. Again, so it wants to be done. We call every bank we I'm messaging people on Facebook. I'm looking for, I'm looking for money. I, you know, we were somewhat desperate. We're under contract on 48 units at 1.3 million. That's just over 27 the door. This is a home run property. We got to make it happen. We already put a hundred thousand dollars into the deal. We got to make it happen. So we call about four local banks. We call the lender from our 18 unit. They won't lend to us. We call another guy, he will, but he can't make it happen. And we finally call another local bank and uh, they said, this is a home run. You're, you're telling me that you just bought 18 units in the same market for the 46 a door, 830, and now you're 1.3 for 48, 27 a door. What am I missing here? I said, you're not. He, it's a great property. It's totally mismanaged. He's over it. It's a great deal. Give me some money. Let's go, we gotta close. <laughs> so um, they did. Um, didn't make it happen. In a week though, so that was our next curveball. This owner, he said November 1st. He was clear about it, November 1st, we're closing. And you know, yeah, we had a contract, but you know, what are you gonna do, sue the guy? I, I mean, I guess you'd have to, right? Well, we weren't trying to go down that route. We're just trying to buy this property. This is a great property. So now, it's gonna be beyond November 1st, and we know it is. So this is what we had to do next, was he was over the property. We talked him in to letting our property manager manage the property come November 1st. And then we would give him his money back and prorate it on the HUD statement. He was fine with that. I thought, 
we're back to we're back to cruise control. We're good. Then my property manager didn't want to do that because they didn't want to get stuck managing a property owned by somebody else. So I was like, oh man. So we get our insurance and our property management from the same company. So I called the insurance side and said, hey, if if y'all don't start managing this property for us November first, we're not going to be able to buy it. You're not going to get the insurance. I need you to talk them into taking this property. So he massaged that relationship a little bit as best he could. And at the end of the day, we got our closing attorney to draft a letter from the owner saying that Alan and Jimmy with Crystal Coast Capital Holdings could manage the property at the same fee that our property manager managed it in conjunction with them. So owner gives us the power to manage that property with our property manager. And then we would prorate the money back to him on closing day. So November 1st comes around. We are collecting rents on this property. They are paying us. November 10th comes around. We get a check for all the rent money because <laughs> he's paying the expenses. We're just collecting rent. We finally close on November 22nd and uh, we, we prorate that money back. Um, so it all worked out and, uh, and it was a done deal on November 22nd. So that's, that was kind of the, the ups and downs of that 48 unit complex from starting out as a uh, owner finance, not getting the owner finance, almost let the deal slip from us. We renegotiated, say we're going to buy it for 1.3. We had a mortgage broker fall through for us. Um, then we had to talk our property manager into managing it before we owned it. So it was a lot of curveballs, but at the end of the day, it's, it's been a fantastic property for us. And we are, we are midway through some renovations right now. And uh, the tenants are, are, they appear to be extremely happy. We have new tenants in the building. Um, so it's, uh, we're really cleaning up that, uh, that distressed property. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's that was a the journey. That was, yeah, that was, a, that's a road. <laughs> it, that's a road. It, it was, uh, it was an incredible portion of, of, uh, of the year there that I look back on just thinking how crazy everything was and how many obstacles yeah. we had to overcome to make it happen. Well, you know, uh, they say real estate's the low stress, uh, investing, you know, and that's a clear <laughs> demonstration yeah. of that. Uh, well, I think my, I, I love here is that, um, you don't take no for an answer. Absolutely you know, not. You, you just, every time there's a no, you need to need to find a way to problem solve your way out of that. And, and that happens in multiple stages along the way. Um, and anybody who's ever been involved in, a real estate transaction, even one of the most smooth transactions is going to run up against that. That's right. Uh, you need to not it. just go, well, can't do it then. All right. That was nice. See ya. You got to sit down and, and pick up the phone and try and figure out a way to a way around it. Exactly. That's uh, all you can do. Yep. All right. So, um, we've pretty much covered everything <laughs> on the 48 unit. I'm not sure as much we, we could cover. Um, so, um, well, let me, let me circle back for just a second before we move on is you talked about how you're finding deals. Are you still finding deals the same way? For the most part? Yeah. Um, so I, that's kind of my weekly thing is go through GIS maps and locate properties, multifamily properties and look up owner information and send them a mailer. It's, um, it's been what has worked. I've got a response from it. 
and they appear to be a little bit better deals. Um, haven't got anything under contract since that 48, but, um, but it just, it, it seems to be the way to approach it. Now I am engaged with um, real estate brokers and I'm looking for properties through them, but uh, I just, so far I, I can't seem to make the numbers work on some of these other properties that are filtering uh, through, through brokers. They're just, they're just, they are selling at top dollar. Still. Correct. Yeah, even, even, even with all that's going on. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, when you, uh, you know, when you started off in multifamily syndication all of 12 months ago, um, what do you think was the really, uh, key piece of knowledge that you had to learn how to do that's made you effective? I would definitely say learning how to underwrite correctly. And what we did there was, uh, Jimmy and I attended a conference it was uh, Tim Brott's Commercial Empire Conference. So while we were just before we closed on that 18 unit and I was working on that 48 unit, we attended that three-day conference and dug in deep on how to find deals, how to fund deals, how to underwrite deals, how to, how to fix them, and, and how to flip them, which could be either a uh, refi or, or a sale. But um, that, that event, and learning how to correctly underwrite is uh, probably, the, probably the most valuable skill there. Gotcha. No, it's, it's with commercial real estate, it's really, you know, it's probably the biggest thing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, and so we know that um, now how much time would you say, because you still have a full-time job. That's right. Uh, you, and, you and your partner, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. um, how much time would you say your real estate endeavors are, are taking right now? I'd say it's a little bit all over the place, right? So I'll kind of unload it in segments. Uh, our 18 unit, we're 100% occupied. We've flipped six of the units there, so a third of them. And um, so we've got some better rents on those six. So that property is pretty much on cruise control. Uh, the, the other tenants are, are happy. Um, we're, we're satisfied with where rents are there. We do have plans to go up at, at, at when leases end. We're going to do small bumps there just to try to get it closer to a market rate. It is well under market rate there, but um, that property is on cruise control. So that 18 unit, I realistically probably spend, let's call it five hours a month. On it. And I would say one ish hour is reviewing the owner's report that we get every month. Uh, I, I get really detailed into that and go over every single unit, every single expense. And I really understand that. And then I'd say the other few hours throughout the month, um, because we are so involved in the construction space, we, we have resources that might be better than our property manager. So they, we do ask them to run um, anything over $500 by us first, as far as maintenance costs or anything like that. Uh, so every now and then we will either go fix it ourselves, or we will call a sub that we know ourselves, or we'll negotiate rates for subs for them to manage. Um, but very, it's very limited. It really, it does not take a whole lot of time. I, we could not do anything. Uh, I could just look at, uh, I mean, we sent them our deposit slips. They put the money straight into our bank account. Our, our debt liability is direct draft. So, I mean, on that 18 unit, we could basically do nothing on it 
and it, and it would run itself. We choose to be more involved just because of some of our resources and trying to capitalize uh, a little bit more and make it a little bit more profitable for that NOI. Gotcha. The 48 unit, we're midstream in a remodel. Uh, we are currently wrapping up 20 of the 48 units, uh, complete rehabs. We're doing complete guts down to uh, drywall. So all new flooring, paint, uh, we're scraping ceilings, all new plywood cabinets, granite countertops, new appliances, new lights, hardware, uh, blinds, the whole thing. So um, that one is taking on a little bit more of our time, uh, more on the front end when we were negotiating everything with subs and vendors and all. Um, lining up material, but almost all the materials are already on site. We've hired a couple guys full time. So they're just, they're going full time. We subbed out a lot of the work and, uh, we have about three done ready to rent right now. And we're, um, still working on five of them. So that property is somewhat on cruise control once we get these remodels out of the way, but the remodel is taking a little bit of our time, but we would expect that one to kind of be in the same scenario. Once we complete the remodel phase, um, our property managers got it from there. So it's going to be, you know, direct deposit, direct draft and debt liability. They're going to handle the maintenance. It's going to be on cruise control. Uh, the other portion of time would be finding deals. So I probably spend more time on finding deals right now than actually managing those 66 units. Um, so, and that, and that just comes down to just searching, loop netting, contacting brokers. Hey, it's me. I'm real. I got 66 units. We hold our own GC license. That's aside from who we work for. Um, we want the heavy value add, like just kind of telling these brokers our story, what we've done. So we have a little bit of credibility because I'm sure they get, they get calls all the time about guys who just want the cheapest deal, kind of not wasting their time, but we just want to let them know, like, we're in it to win it. We're here as partners. You make money, we make money. Everybody makes money, everybody in the whole group. So I spent a lot of time just uh, just FaceTime with brokers and, and looking for deals. That's where most of my time is right now. So to kind of sum that back up, though, um, on the 48 units, it takes a little bit more time. Let's, let's call it five to 10 hours a month. It, it, sometimes it's much more, sometimes it could be less. Uh, but then looking for deals, I would say is probably at least another good solid five to 10 hours a week, maybe more. It, like there's sometimes I just sit and that's all I do for hours <laughs> on end. And then um, often if, uh, if I'm trapped, or waiting on something or, or, you know, doing something, I'll just get on the internet and start looking. So it's kind of like anytime I have downtime, I'm looking for properties. Are the properties you looking, you're looking for, um, where you're primarily like close to where you're located or are you looking anywhere? Yeah. For the most part, we're, we are going to try to capitalize on using our own subcontractor connections. Um, so we're trying to find deals within about four hours of where we live and we live about three hours apart. So that's basically all of North Carolina. Um, we're, we're looking from about Charlotte East in North Carolina. So, so yeah, it's somewhat local. I mean, keep in mind, I, uh, it's nothing for me to pick up and drive four hours each way to a job site on, on a day trip for, for my full-time job. So, so three hours is local for me. <laughs> gotcha. Nice. Gotcha. Nice. Well, I don't have any other questions. Awesome. All right. <laughs> Alan, thank you uh, so much for your time today. If any of our listeners want to reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to do that? 
Personal email. Yeah. Drop me a line on my email, alanspencerhill at gmail.com. That's A-L-A-N, alanspencerhill, gmail.com. So yeah, send me a personal email, kind of tell me who you are, what you're interested in. If, if you want to team up, um, we're, we're always looking for, for anybody in the spectrum. Um, could be a broker, could be a lender, could be, could be a sub, could be a potential partner. Um, you know, if, uh, you have an ambition to want to get involved and you want a little bit of guidance, let us know if, if you, uh, if you have a deal, but you want to execute and you're not comfortable executing, you know, let us know. So, um, we're, we're all about partnering and we've been to, a, you know, a few real estate events where we met you Neil, and, uh, we keep in touch with those guys and the, the, the commercial empire event, we keep in touch with those guys. So, uh, I love talking shop. Um, but, uh, email would be best. I guess that would kind of filter out the people who are just going to, call me and waste time get, <laughs> yeah. get to know him a little bit better <laughs> and then uh, yeah. but no after that i'd love to talk shop once i get to know y'all okay that was alan hill from crystal coast holdings uh it was certainly great talking to him catching up with him and hearing his long saga of uh, oh, man. Of, of buying a 48 unit i mean that's what happens when i don't know that's what happens on those kinds of deals so yeah yeah crazy. Yep. Did you have a specific uh, lesson that you feel like was, um, that really stood out to you? Yeah. Well, I, I briefly touched on it earlier, which is that don't let no stop you. I mean, they, they could have, uh, they could have given up on that deal so many times and just gone, well, you know, this is just not going to work. Uh, but they kept finding, you know, problem solving mm -hmm. and that happens in real estate a lot. Like I said, even on the easiest deals, you're going to have times where, something's going to go a little sideways. And if you just throw up in your hand, your hands and just go, well, well, it didn't work out. Oh, well, I'm going to go watch. I'm going to go Netflix and chill. Yeah. Uh, it, um, you could be leaving a lot of money on the table. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Um, what was the, do you recall what the key piece of knowledge for him was that he had to, to learn? I don't know what he said, but I think it was just the school of hard knocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, actually he said underwriting was, was something that was really important that, you know, and, and he kind of talked about that in that first 18 unit deal that they kind of made the underwriting fit what they were hoping. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that, that, you know, it's still, uh, feels like a good deal for them, but is maybe not as good a deal as, as they, um, made it out to be. Yeah. So. Well, and again, uh, especially on commercial real estate, underwriting is is such a key factor if you don't do it a lot of times the bank is going to do it for you anyway and yeah. you know uh and you make money when you buy in real estate and if your underwriting is not right then you know that goes out the window yeah so. yeah um money how much did it take to get started uh they got in basically for about twenty four hundred dollars a piece because their mm -hmm. first investor uh, brought all the money they just had to pay for uh, I think an inspection or survey yeah. um, and it just, it goes to show you, you know, when you, which was, it was bold of them to go right to an 18 unit. Um, but, you know, once you, you know, get to the point where you can bring in investors and they're, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. you can get in for very little money. Yeah. Um, uh, how much time does he, would you say he spends on his real estate endeavors now? He probably spends 10 to 15 hours a month on the actual properties more sometimes on the 48 unit but just on those especially like once it sounds like once things sort of um get all done with like construction and stuff they'll probably 
you know, five hours. So a lot of that's just looking at the numbers. Um, and then he said he spends, you know, five, 10 hours a week on um, looking for acquisitions and, yep. and sort of dealing with that kind of stuff. So not a whole lot of time, but yep. I mean, he does have the advantage that he works in that field already. So yeah. I think some of those things um, probably take less time since he does it all the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, can he do this anywhere from the world? Not, not really. I mean, not the way he's doing it right now. They're really yeah. focused on their local market because they want to leverage the, uh, the subcontract, uh, relationships that they have and things like that. I mean, eventually, yeah, he probably could. Yeah. Uh, but right now, no, yeah. this is very localized. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like, I mean, if they just decided they weren't going to make any more acquisitions, they were going to, you know, hold these, um, you know, these assets and just kind of do what they're doing that they could probably take some time off yep. um, because they're not having huge amounts of communication. And as long as they could maybe communicate by phone, yep. probably work it out. Well, again, once you get into an asset class that large, uh, a lot of times you're dealing with, prof you've got professional management on site yeah. And, yeah. and they're dealing with most of the day to day. Awesome. All right. Once again, that was Alan Hill from Crystal Coast. Uh, we loved talking to him. Yeah. We're doing great. this all again next week. Let's hit the road. Bye. Hey, before you go, if you like the show, we would be delighted if you'd head over to Podchaser and leave us an honest review. And do let us know why you like the show, how long you've been listening, and in particular, what you find really useful or entertaining. And let us know if there's anything you think we should change. Also, if you have specific questions about real estate investing, especially self-storage or short-term rentals, shoot us an email at info at roadtofamilyfreedom.com and we'll be happy to answer your question on the show. We might even turn it into an entire episode. Thanks for listening. We're doing this all again next week. Until then, safe travels.